Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode thirty-eight. Um, Brad, yeah, we've been um, we've been away for a couple weeks. We've been just chilling and hanging out and just chilling, <laughs> chilling, <laughs> listening to summer tour, right? Following along virtually. Yeah, it was nice that they we've got a little uh, webcast out of a, you know a couple of the first shows. Yeah. so that was fun. Wish they do it more, but I understand. Yeah, I I'm still like I'm so confused. Like, do they think they're gonna lose? people from going to shows and buying tickets if they webcast no. every show uh, i think it's a cost you think right? it's cost, to, it's put cost it on? to them yeah could be yeah i don't logistics know logistics too because even last year there were like some logistical issues yeah that's with true like remember with like bandwidth or gigawatts or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts needed mm-hmm. for every mm-hmm. webcast <laughs> um so brad so this week we're gonna do something different because it's the middle of summer tour and we we pulled our our listeners and our friends and do a short interview basically with a fan um you know who we know about each show or run of shows and we're going to have a series of conversations and then who's been to that show yeah 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 good point that's a good point of clarification (laughs) not just like me from twitter because i've listened to the show on some shitty stream no i like fish um yeah so we got a lot of people who are who were at the shows and they want to just share their perspectives short conversations but we thought it would give a little bit of flavor of how this tour has been so that that should be fun a little bit then, of from the road maybe yeah from the road fish from the road i bet that's not taken yet right yeah underscore i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm patent it um <laughs> so we're gonna do that and then and then we we selected what we think is our most interesting um set of the tour so far um we're like eight or nine shows in and then so we're yeah. gonna play that without we too much decide on that yet i mean it's, yeah it's, you did it's your call dude we got a couple hours until we decide yeah we do we're gonna play that and then we're gonna um we're not gonna give much commentary after we're just gonna leave a set out there for you all to listen to and try to keep it keep it short and sweet um with mm-hmm. the music right yeah absolutely um simple too so it's like two weeks till i get to see my first show at merriweather it's like pretty sweet a month and a half for you and i to till we meet up at dick's right yeah i just finalized my plans got nice. everything the rental car and everything nice we're gonna yeah. be you're you're gonna be like we're gonna be staying what like a mile from each other yeah yeah, yeah. fantastic i think i'm gonna sleep in the hotel with you one night if that's okay with you of course I'm like, I just want to. I just want to. My be. bed's open to everybody. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> just want to sleep close to you, Brad. Um, sweet. I'm gonna get it. I'm trying to get like a Mustang convertible too. Something sweet. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely do. Make sure it's yellow though. I don't want to be seeing some stupid red Mustang. <laughs> Before we get into these conversations, we um, we're really happy to be a sponsor of the Fan Art uh, Poster and Pin Exhibition in Chicago. Yep. Um, which is this coming Sunday, July 20th, 2014, from 12 to 5. And that's at the Congress Plaza Hotel, 520 South Michigan Avenue in Chicago, right near Grant Park. Um, and it's, it's really, a fancy address. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's apparently yeah. a, it's a historic hotel. And, um, nice. We, um, you know, as everyone, I think our list, a lot of our listeners hopefully know, Pete Mason, who's sort of the mind behind fan art and the organizer of this. And we've been a sponsor before. And he, he always gets together some great great artists for these shows mm-hmm. and it's a it's a cool thing to do if you're there for the weekend seeing shows and just drop in for a few see some art and maybe pick up some you know posters or pins or whatever so before, <laughs> so before we get into the show reviews we're gonna just play a quick conversation we had with pete um the other day so we'll listen to that now and then um, get into yes. the show reviews <laughs> 
Hey, I'm here with uh, Pete Mason. We're talking about the fan art poster and pin exhibition in Chicago, which will be on Sunday, July 20th from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Congress Plaza Hotel on 520 South Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Um, Pete, you've been doing this for a while. You've done this a number of times. What are you most excited about for this show coming up? Uh, I'm really excited about how close it is to the venue, um, which is something that's always been, um, which is something that's always been a factor in. Uh, planning these. Um, when it comes to Atlantic City, mostly everybody's staying on the boardwalk, so it's not that far to walk to get there. Uh, last year at SPAC, we learned that even though it was downtown at a city center, it's still tough to get people who are staying you know, up to a half an hour or more away right. to drive up early. Um, so, uh, this, so when we started looking in Chicago, uh, we went up and down uh, Michigan Ave. We looked at the planetarium, the aquarium, even an on-site thing at Northerly. And the best option came from uh, Congress Plaza Hotel, which has been open since uh, the end of the 19th century. Awesome. So I was uh, ecstatic to know that we had a, a, a venue that wasn't just uh, historic and had a lot of space for artists and patrons, but also good proximity to the venue. And it's literally one mile walk uh, you can see northerly from the windows you can see Buckingham Fountain from the windows um, it's right near Grant Park so nice. it's uh, it's on the route there and if anybody remembers last year getting there early is kind of important with the lack of parking so Got you it. can uh, you, you, you can reasonably expect to plan to get there early and have something really fun and unique to do. I mean, it seems to me maybe this is just because this is, you know, a band that I follow follow uh, more closely than others. But is is this is fa is what you're doing with fan art and, and the people you're bringing together and just the whole art community around fish? Is that a unique thing to, to this band or or is it something that that other bands do as well? I, I've. Uh I've done some mild research to see if there was any other band like this, and I really don't think there's any other uh, band that allows their fans to sell their merch, sell merch in the way that mm -hmm. we do, or let alone have art shows. Um, and you know, we we stay away from anything copyrighted. But Fish gives us this incredible uh, leeway when it comes to making art because there's just so much. It's 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 almost impossible to kind of keep it all under one roof or contain it. So um, I find that these art shows, and I've been to all but one of them since 2003 of the uh, 10 or 11, and they're just phenomenal and well-received. Um, there's you, You'll find art there um, in a style that you would not have expected. There's, guy, there's Adam Davidoff who sells coins. There's mm -hmm. dozens of artists with uh, prints and posters, T-shirt vendors, uh, and then we get down to um, some more, and then of course, you know, pins, uh, jewelry. Um, you know, I'll follow my table there with the uh, Henrietta Secret underwear, uh, right. um, as well as um, uh, it's, you know, support for the artists overall, because you know, pr promoting you know, lo lo loving fish shows a good um, care and concern for the arts in general, mm -hmm. but having um, you know, having these art shows and kind of kicking it up a notch will um, kind of open some fans' eyes because, really, before the show, you're going to have all these great artists in one place, and it's not Shakedown Street. It's you know more right. formal setting that allows for 
um, interaction with the artist. You can have a conversation with them. It's not as though you're, um, you know, rushing around Shakedown and they have customers to take care of. You can sit there and talk to Isadora Bullock about her uh, line of cut methods, and you can sit there and talk to Trip about how, you know, laborious making a poster for literally every show can be. <laughs> right. It's a great time to to really meet the meet meet the names and faces who, you know, some people have seen on. Uh, some people have seen on Shakedown. Some people may have seen them on my site. Some people might just be fans on Facebook. But this opportunity is—it uh, only comes around once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. So being able to check it out and uh, stop by and you know, support artists who are you know doing you know doing a fair amount of the tour and their you know artists always need support. That's a uh, that 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 is one of the bigger long-term benefits to these events. Nice, yeah, that's great. Well, one thing that I noticed about just looking through, and and obviously the Helping Friendly Podcast is a, a sponsor of this, and so we've been involved in some of the back and forth. Um, the can you talk a little bit about the music piece with um, our our friend Wade, and and how that's going to fit into the show? Yeah, um, Wade uh, Wade will be. Um, uh, he's a original Willis. He I approached him. Quite literally, like two days after we got back from Atlantic City in the fall, and I said to him, I was like, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his for years, and he's a great friend. And I said to him, like, we had this great, uh, we we had Sono speakers in the Atlantic City show, and yep. the music, the music all day was a mix of Lettuce, uh, New Master Sounds, and Medeski Martin and Wood for a good five hours long, mm-hmm. and that set a tone for the show that is far superior to playing live fish radio, having someone come in and play guitar as we've tried in the past. Uh, and it, it um, you know, the, the, the music does set the tone to it. And you, I've been to a handful of art shows when there's music there that accents mm-hmm. the event, it really adds to the overall vibe of the room. So when I, with, uh, with Wade and being a fan of his music and new disco and funk, I enlisted his support in creating a playlist that'll run through the entire show, and I've I've, I've listened to part of it. Couldn't be happier. He's gonna uh, put something together very special. Awesome. That uh, really, I mean, and I say curate because he's curating a set list that goes just perfectly with the flow of the show. You know, there's ebbs and flows, and this will keep everything kind of going steady throughout the night. Excellent. Throughout the afternoon. That's awesome. Um, and you, I mean, you put in so much time and effort and, and work into these things. You've obviously, um, you, you get a lot out of them, I'm sure. But what's your favorite part? What do you enjoy most? My, fa- my favorite part is at 5 p.m. the day of the show when everything's <laughs> over. And, right. and, I have all, and the artists are stopping by and uh, shaking my hand. Like, that is literally the point where I know that things went well. And then a couple days or a week afterward, and I get feedback from the artists telling me how they did um i don't ask them to report sales but if they want to share a ballpark on how well they did that mm-hmm. makes me feel really great um we've uh, we've tried a variety of artists over the years um yeah, i'd probably say uh 50 of the artists at this show have been to at least one or two um if and probably 25 percent have been at um, um you know five or six of these shows Cool. Um, so when I'm putting the show together, it's really a great degree of fun. But I, um, I, I find when I know that the artists are happy, and I take a lap around the room a couple times, 
and they're just telling me everything's going great and they have their friends there checking their stuff out and they're making sales and meeting new uh, new uh, fans and you know potential customers down for eternity down the road that's when it really pays off this isn't uh, this is not a money-making venture um, for anyone but the artists so we nice. we, find, we find the room supply everything that's needed and go for it I'll have a table and have some stuff for myself and Mockingbird, but really the reason why I do this is specifically for the artists and no one else. That's awesome. Um, the whole community should and I think does, you know, ap appreciate and thank you for all, all that you do. Um, so one one last thing I wanted to ask about, um, I have personal interest in this because we have a 10-month-old son, but you just... Um, crowdfunded and, and made a, a, a children's book, um, which I think is going to be awesome. Um, I think I already pre-ordered it, but um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how that came to be and what's, what that's all about? Yeah, of course. Uh, in um, A couple of years ago, I started writing a book uh, on my dog Haley's travels because since uh, by 2006, she'd been to 46 states and I brought her to two more <laughs> and she hit 48, leaving Alaska and Hawaii, but she'll be fine without those. Nice. We... Um, I started writing a narrative story about you know all the travels from her point of view and what it's like to grow up in Syracuse, being uh, adopted from a shelter, and then really we started traveling within uh, before she was even two years old and did a cross country trip and she's been up and down, lived in New York and Florida with me. So um, what I eventually did with the book is uh, rather I was trying to think about making a, a YA book, but ended it ended up being a children's book. Um, focusing on Haley's uh, adoption, um, her early travels, and trip around mm -hmm. the country, and then a little, little bit of reflection at the end on her part. So I wrote that together and enlisted the support of one of my favorite artists and a great friend, Ryan Kerrigan, who um, illustrate is illustrating the book um, as well as all the text. Uh, so he uh, he's he's got quite the uh, quite quite the effort in this one. Awesome. And uh, the book, the book, we had a successful Kickstarter, raised over ten thousand dollars, and the book is going to go to print in September, or October, just in time for the holidays. So um, I'm awesome. uh, really excited about it. She'll be fifteen in September, so it's uh, quite a uh, it's quite a feat for her to uh, have done all this, and then I can immortalize her in the book. So I hope uh, I hope any fish fan with a kid um, takes into, takes that into consideration and. Um, picks up the book uh, later this year when it's available. Yeah, it's very cool, man. Thanks for doing that. Um, Thank you for picking one up. I really appreciate all the support with the Kickstarter. I think what fans will find if they get down toward the venue a little earlier, um, first of all, they'll find the hotel is right near where the parking garage for Grand Park is, so they pr pretty much have to walk right by it in order to uh, in order to get there. Um, you'll find a wide variety of, art of poster artists, some old, some new. Uh, you'll find some T-shirt vendors, um, about uh, eight or nine uh, pinners who are going to be there with their wide selection of pins. <laughs> right. And um, and and you know they can support charity as well. It's uh, there'll be Mockingbird and there's also Screens and Suds, which wait, which raises money for uh, multiple sclerosis research. Yeah. Um, through Rick Hirsch. So um, I think that's going to be quite the feature um, is that there is a wide variety a little something for everyone um, plus there's a bar downstairs so if you want to get a drink before you head over to the lots that's even better um, nice. and and the, the one really cool thing um, there's a uh, 
fish fan documentary coming out uh, from Michael Lawrence uh, titled We've Got It Simple, and it's uh, hands down the best one that I've uh, been a part of. Uh, and he's, he's working toward his Kickstarter as well, starting in August. Uh, he's going to have a photo booth um, that he's going to call the freezer that everybody has to step into to get their photo taken. And that can be, uh, and some of those will be featured in the uh, film as well. Excellent. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be a great, great day of, uh, um, of art and music and a great way to cap a three-night run in Chicago. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Pete, for all you do and, and for doing this. And just, just as a sort of to recap, it's Sunday, July 20th um, from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Congress Plaza Hotel, which is 520 South Michigan Avenue. Um, definitely check it out. Um, come by. I wish I was going to be there. Pete, thanks again for taking the time to do this and for asking us to be a part of it as well. I appreciate it. Thanks to RJ for uh, being a supporter and sponsor of the event. Cool. All right, cool. Thanks, RJ. That was... Um RJ and Pete Mason uh, from FanArt. I uh, appreciate everything Pete does, especially for the community. I think um, he brings a lot. So our next conversation um, is going to be with Josh. He's from at Nola Socks. He went to uh, Great Woods in Mansfield, Massachusetts. So we're going to talk to him about the show and have fun. Good night, Dada. I love you. See you tonight, okay? <laughs> Good night, Stella. All right, so we're here with Josh, who is on Twitter at Nola Socks. Um, Josh has been a guest on here before josh thanks for joining us thanks thanks for having me back guys yeah, yeah thanks for coming and we just want to talk uh, quickly get your take on on the great woods show in mansfield i know obviously the first show of the tour um and josh what was the scene like when when you got there did you get there pretty early was it exciting were people like pretty amped up what was that all like um i didn't get there too early i was actually driving down from maine uh tuesday night shows in the middle of the week obviously have a lot of logistic problems <laughs> yeah. logistical yeah. problems so I left Maine like at two thirty, three o'clock, hoping it's about a three hour drive with no traffic and we didn't get onto the lot till about seven o'clock. So there was actually a time during my drive where I was like, Crap, we're gonna miss the opener. Yeah, um, oh, man. And that's a, stressful, so we, that's a stressful thought. Yeah, and, and that combined with just first night of tour jitters and just it's about as excited as I've been for uh going to see a fish show in a while in, in several nice. years i just i don't know it, it was really something i was looking forward to but uh the drive down was definitely stressful but got into the lot at about seven o'clock and there was definitely some nervous tension i just felt around i think probably because it was the first show yeah. uh first show after uh you know fuego was released and um people were excited and got into our seats uh you know knowing that it was a seven o'clock uh, showtime, meaning that they'd be on around 7.45, so we went in pretty soon after getting onto the lot, didn't have enough time to drink all the great beer I brought down. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we got in, and, you know, it's funny, this is the third summer tour opener that I've been to, not because I try to get to tour openers, but because <laughs> they've just been opening Boston, in New England. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in 2012 it was Worcester, last year it was Bangor, and this year it was Great Woods. Uh, and, you know, it's what, what I like about going to these tour openers, it's the whole expectations thing, mm. where as, as much as you say, try to get into a show without any expectations and go in just with a clean slate, they're going to play what they play and it's going to be great. It's hard to really get over those expectations. But for the tour opener, you know that it's not, it, it, you, you have low expectations built in because the first show of the tour is not going to be the best show 
of the tour. And yeah. it's just, you, you know, hey, if we get a couple good jams in here, if they uh, sound good, if they sound tight, whatever they play. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with kind of having the open-ended expectations for an opener. I think for any show, really, but an opener especially, right? And that's good. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Mansfield. Have you been there before? Yeah, I've been Great Woods. Uh, Great Woods. I mean, my first fish show at Great Woods was in 93. That was their first headlining gig there. Nice. And I, I, Great Woods was my you know, local shed. So nice. I've been seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. shows at Great Woods since before Fish. Do you uh, like it? Uh, no, <laughs> not particularly. I I've seen some fantastic shows at Great Woods. The traffic getting out is terrible. Okay. The lot there's no great lot scene. The security is pretty tough. Even just making people pour out all their beers if they come by and see an open container. So oh, it's really? it's not a great venue. Um, yeah. And I actually much preferred when they opened up the tour in Worcester, even though it was indoors in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There's just something about the Centrum. I think there's some energy there that you Absolutely. don't get right. at uh, at at the shed um, at Great Woods. And then, you know, last year driving up to Bangor um, had its challenges as well, just because it's it's far farther away, kind of up there north. But it was a big open field. The sound was pristine up in Bangor. Um, and it was a new place to go see fish. So don't, I don't love yeah. Great Woods, but I've seen a number of fish shows there. It's, it's probably pretty high on my list of uh, most seen fish shows at a venue. So I'm very nice. used to it for awesome. fish. I've been to, I went to Great Woods twice in 2009 and 2010 when we lived in Boston. And we were in the, I mean, I had good seats both times, and I remember it fondly. But, um, I, yeah, the getting out there and the lot, I mean, besides the music itself, it's not like, it's not a great place to spend several hours hanging out. Right. And and just the sense that I get based on when they've been booking Great Woods for the tours, it usually it's a one-off show on mm-hmm. a Tuesday night. I think they've done that at least two or three times uh, since they came back in 2009. It, it would seem like not their favorite place it. to play either. Yeah. Other than the fact that they've played some fantastic historic shows there, like Gamehenge in 1994. So... Who knows? Sweet. So well, we talked a little bit about uh, expectations of music, but what is specifically about the music on uh, July 1st um, resonated with you or didn't resonate? I thought it was a great, thought it was a great tour opener. Um, the first set was obviously largely filled with uh, Fuego tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, they opened with Stealing Time, which was a kind of predictable opener, but it's one of those things. It's the tour opener and Fish is back on stage, so they could have been yeah. playing literally any song and i would have been psyched and the crowd would have been cheering and, and excited um yeah the opening awesome. riff shreds though it's so nice yeah, yeah. it's great yeah. uh yeah. and then and then boom second song they're into fuego which yeah. caught me by surprise i think everybody was thinking this might be a second set tune from the outset um and it seems a little silly to dwell a lot on this fuego given the Fuego that they played at SPAC and Man, yeah. and even the shorter second set one Randall's last Friday night. But uh, but hey, it was great. I was just dancing like crazy and so psyched to hear this, the tune. Um, nice. And, you know, interestingly, they it was basically a finished Fuego. They played the sort of gentle uh, page and tray outro that they have on the album version, and yeah. uh, they played in AC. So 
maybe that'll be the only finished Fuego we ever get. Who knows? <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of goes to your point that they're just kind of, um, you know, wet in their, their chops or whatever the saying is, right? <laughs> they're just kind of like, let's get this under our belt. You know, we're going to play it a lot this summer. So, like, second song, first show, let's do it and yeah. uh, warm it up. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and Absolutely. at this point, we're, what, like, ten, eight, nine shows in the tour, and there have been four or five Fuegos. I thought yep. they played like a dozen times, right? It's pretty awesome. It's like every yeah. every every show you get free Fuego. It's awesome. It's better <laughs> than a Fuego. Better than, a, better, than, better than a free possum, you know? Yeah, um, better, better than a kick in the dick. <laughs> so Josh, what was your what was like the moment in the in the show that sticks out in your mind afterwards? Definitely basically the the towards the end of the second set, which was nice. It wasn't kind of a, a front loaded <laughs> second set. It was the ghost into Weekapog and the hood. Uh, Ghost mm-hmm. Weekapog was awesome. Um, it was really a smooth segue from one into another. Mm-hmm. One of those situations so where they're yeah. they're playing Ghost, and you started hearing Fishman with the Weekapog drum beat, and the whole band caught on to it. It wasn't rushed, and they just thirty seconds later were were in Weekapog. Um, and the Weekapog, it was a good Weekapog. It wasn't uh, by the numbers version. Yep. Some cool effects from Trey. I, I don't know if it was the Echoplex or not, but kind of that repeating, echoing sound. Um, and then the hood. Um, and, you know, it's just, it was really one of the best versions that I've ever seen live. Uh, totally caught you by surprise. Nice. Figured this would have been a, a good, normal type one hood. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it seemed like, and maybe I just, wanted it to go someplace so much but as soon as they got into the jam section it seemed like trey was laying back a little bit um and not starting to play his sort of slow building uh solo letting yeah. the other letting page take the lead a little bit and just adding mm-hmm. a little bit of color and then it just went off into multiple different sections and I, obviously, I have some attendance bias since I was there, but it's still one of my very favorite jams that I've heard of the past two weeks. Awesome. Um, yeah, Arjun and I talked about it. Um, and I think, I mean, I, the first time I heard it, it just blown away. But I, well, the other thing that stuck out for me, and I don't know if you felt that way there, but Josh, is that the tone of Trey was just like, it's a little different, and it's just so nice. It fits so perfectly in this song. I know I saw a little bit of criticism about it. Like, he didn't find his tone until, like, three or four shows in. But, dude, I thought his tone in this this hood was just perfect. Yeah. I, I There's very little I can find to complain about that hood, other than maybe it was because it was late in the set, but I was just dancing for whatever the 18 straight minutes with my eyes closed and every couple nice. minutes I would open yeah. my eyes and look to the people standing next to me and they'd kind of just be standing there and I was <laughs> like this is an all-time hood that we're watching on the opening night of fish tour yeah <laughs> what's not to like about this <laughs> that's awesome but uh it was it was great and and fishman really pushed pushed that uh pushed that song forward he really seemed to propel it uh fishman really stood out mm-hmm. to me a lot throughout the uh the whole show um yeah he was definitely one of the the highlights um but no I, I thought it was a great show i guess one other highlight that i have to mention is wingsuit um mm-hmm. again yes. it's maybe a little odd to be going back to the very first wingsuit of tour now that they've played some fantastic versions most recently last night's but it's 
hearing it live made it immediately my favorite song from the album. Nice. Um, it's it's such an emotional song, mm. and just the guitar solo at the end, and just the build from the band, Mike dropping these bombs that are basically shaking the entire shed that you can <laughs> feel. I mean, literally, you can feel Mike's bass shaking so awesome. your body. Mm. Um, and I I love the song. I love the placement uh, at the end of the first set. Um, I, I think you guys are talking to Craig at some point, and we often talk when we're listening to Grateful Dead shows about uh, walk-off dues, walk-off mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. dues. And uh, this was a, a first set walk-off wingsuit, but I, I, I'm holding out hope that at some point this tour or next tour or whenever, they're going to close a second set with you know, a 15-minute emotional wingsuit. Yeah, like uh, a slave, a somebody said, right? Yeah, it's that type of tune. It's yeah, been yeah. um it's been the most I think interesting thing to me so far in this like short tour um the second set mid second set wingsuit um mm. you know, I'm hoping that at Meriwether or Dicks there's a there's a tweezer and a wingsuit cuz I think it's a perfect um drop, you know. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't think of I, I mean it's it's a ballad type of song. It it's right just immediately taken its place amongst my very favorite fish ballads and in fact mm-hmm. it, it might be my favorite after just crazy it it's a fantastic song um it really it was very emotional to hear live um just love it that Sweet. is great well thank you mm-hmm. thanks josh for sharing this with us this, this has been fun to talk yeah you bet guys thanks for having me on Cool, that was a conversation with Josh, who's at NOLA Socks. Um, now we're going to go to the next conversation with Brian Brinkman, who um, has been on our show before um, at Suffering Juke, and he's he's back from Korea. He's back in the U.S. and caught his first shows in a few years, so we're going to listen to a quick conversation with him about the SPAC shows. Yes. Um, so I'm here chatting with Brian Brinkman, who um, just just completed a couple of years overseas and, and saw his first shows at SPAC, um, what, Brian, in two years, right? Yeah, just about. You did SPAC, and you're also doing Randall's, right? Saturday night Randall's, and then I'm going to finish up uh, at Chicago. Awesome. Um, and you're heading yeah. back to Chicago to um, to lay, lay down some roots. Chicago is, uh, yeah, the next step in our life, in uh, my wife's my, my life. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's our move. Our, our welcome home present is, uh, is three fish shows, which is pretty nice. That's awesome. Um, well, you've yeah. contributed to, to the podcast and to the, you know, our web chats, and, and you write, write a lot of great stuff about this band. I assume that going back to see them um, after spending a couple of years overseas was pretty awesome. What was, the, what was the scene like at SPAC sort of pre-show, and how did, you, how did you assimilate back into that before the show started? Well, first of all, thank you, and thank you for having me on, uh, RJ. This is, uh, it's really always a pleasure to, to be in any of these sort of media-related events you guys have, um, what you and Brad are doing, and uh, along with the baby's mouth, you know, everything that's going on, um, uh, you know, in this, in this circle of the, of the fish community, I, I'm, I'm really loving being a part of. Um, yeah, SPAC and uh, Great Woods were my, my welcome back to fish. Uh, SPAC, I'd been to once before. I'd been there in 2010. Um, and aside from the sight lines and sound of the lawn, I find SPAC to be one of the most ideal and perfect fish venues. Uh, it, you know, it, it, the, the whole town of Saratoga and the whole, um, 
know, Central Valley or, you know, northern part of New York is, is one of my favorite places to see fish. Uh, it just always feels, I know that Paige said it always feels like a hometown fish show in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting there, uh, on the third, I was just, I was just giddy. Uh, I, I really have gone into the, these last four shows, um, in a totally different way than I, I was in, in 2012 and a completely different way than I was listening to them last year when I was overseas. Uh, I was really just trying to uh, savor and enjoy the entire experience. Um, I tried not to be, uh, I tried not to put my critical hat on, uh, to be totally honest. Yep. I just really wanted to savor uh, being back in the fish scene. Um, and, you know, aside from the crazy rain uh, that came before the third, uh, the weather could not have really worked out better for, for everyone, it seemed like. Um, I know that people on the lawn on the third would probably totally disagree with me, uh, <laughs> rightly so, but, um, I, you know, I, I, had, I, had an absolute, I had an absolute blast there. Um, I thought the band sounded really incredible. Um, I thought the 7-4 the show is one of, it's one of my favorite shows I've ever personally attended, uh, I thought it was one of the strongest things they've strongest shows they played in probably the last couple of years, um, which I think is saying something. Uh, and yeah. I thought the second set of seven five was a huge uh, message in terms of where the band is taking things in, in, in the future. Absolutely, yeah. That um, that was the fuego, right? Seven four, yeah. That was the fuego. Uh, there was. <laughs> There, there was uh, this energy that just felt like it was released right when Paige started playing the, the grand piano there. Um, I, I think I high-fived no less than 10 people in the first minute of that song. It just seemed like everyone needed a second set Fuego opener uh, for summer to really begin. As far as not putting your critical hat on, that's something that I think we all try to do at shows, and it's probably a little bit different for you because you actually did um, spend a couple of years listening from afar and probably being more critical than not, not critical in a negative way, but just being a, a music critic, um, sort of because you yeah, were able and, to see them live. No, totally. I mean, it's one of those interesting things. I remember, uh, I wrote a couple of reviews early last summer. Um, and I remember just kind of getting a feel for people's thoughts on the reviews. And I know that, um, a, a lot of what I was hearing there, there were a lot of people that gave me some really nice compliments. I was really appreciative, but I know that there was a lot of, uh, well, you're not at the show, so you can't totally get a feel for it. And, um, I tried to argue that last year. And it's funny when I was at the shows this year, I kind of had this moment. Um, it was during the middle of the second set on seven, three, you know, they had just done that first bathtub gin set two opener since Hampton 98. Uh, and it went into a really cool little jam. Um, and then they did that, uh, just amazing limb by limb that just went into this demented zone of, uh, you know, rhythmic playing that the whole place was shaking. Um, and then winter queen and the line came and I saw myself just totally taken by those two songs as, as a breather. And I felt like they fit how I was feeling, how the crowd was feeling, how, how we were, uh, you know, stepping into this. Uh, early summer tour, I felt like they were perfectly placed. And I realized at that point, had I been listening via stream or had I been at home listening or watching the webcast, I probably would have viewed it a lot differently than I did in the moment. And, you know, this might be a really obvious statement, but I kind of realized how much different it is for me, at least on a personal level, to experience these shows in person than it is to uh, just hear them from afar. There's 
it's it becomes a lot more complicated when you're there and you mm-hmm. you know had to figure out your way in and you've you know uh, had however many beers or you know whatever and uh, you're with whatever you know people that you've ended up with for the show and you know the mood of the section that you're in it just it's totally different than than when I was listening at home so I I found myself just kind of trying to savor it while also you know there were a few parts of the shows that. Um, uh, I, I, I was less of a fan of than others. And there were, you know, mm-hmm. a couple other sets that I thought were amazing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, going back to SPAC is, is the type of place where I just want to you know, savor what it feels like to be a fish fan in, in, in all honesty. Nice. And so of those shows, what was your sort of favorite moment, um, of the, of the weekend or of, of all the shows you saw? My, I have two moments that really, really stick out. Um, uh, from Great Woods, I was I was really fortunate to meet up with uh, Wally Holland, who who tweets at, at yeah. Wax Banks. One of my um, favorites. Probably, yeah. I, we've had him on. We uh, we've all talked on on the web chats, and um, I'll say it always: if 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 there are fish fans out there who have not read his book titled "The Tiny Space to Move and Breathe," that needs to be the top of your list. Uh, it is unquestionably the best book that's been written thus far about fish. Uh, he's the most accomplished writer that I've read about fish. Uh, and he's a constant inspiration. And I was more than, uh, I was, I was incredibly blessed to be able to experience the second set, uh, at great woods with him. And this coming, like, I think two or three days after he wrote an absolutely incredible essay about the eight, five, 2013 Harry hood mm-hmm. fish, went into a very late set Harry Hood, uh, and we were just hanging out, dancing the whole set together, and they went into that unbelievable jam that uh, just explored so many different musical avenues, uh, ended up in a really cool funk jam before finding its way back into the Hood theme, uh, and really just a pronounced uh, you know, cap to the end of the jam in ways that they, they've struggled with throughout 3.0. That was one of my favorite moments. Uh, we shared a hug after that. It was just it was it was like a big welcome home, you know, for, awesome. on a personal level, you know. Um, and then after that, uh, I will always remember the way that the balcony, especially Section 18, uh, reacted to the peak of Fuego on 7-4. Um, I was I was aisle hopping, and I had an entire aisle to myself, uh, flat dancing nice. territory, and I had maybe five people with me. Everyone was just. It, it was. It felt to me like uh, during the Dix 2012 light when I've always said when they hit that peak, it felt like fish just won the World Series mm-hmm, and that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is awesome. Well, awesome shows and that Fuego is just it's phenomenal. Um, and <laughs> your your recap of those shows and your first shows back in a while it was awesome. So thank you so much. And we'll we'll obviously talk a lot more in the coming coming months and glad that you're back here stateside and hope to see you see you soon totally uh yeah i, I hope to uh catch a few shows with you um where there's talks about maybe trying to figure out a way to get out to dick so who, who knows excellent that would be awesome well hopefully i know a lot of us will be there brad and i are both going too so should be awesome all right so uh that was brian brinkman anyway he's, he's back from korea and we're really glad that he's back and he's really smart and writes well um and we're glad that he joined us again so um, our next conversation is uh, with Felicia. She is um, going to talk to us about the first night of Philadelphia. Man, that's where she lives. So hopefully she's going to be excited about it and give us some insight. So we're, I'm here with talking with Felicia. And Felicia, we're talking about um, the man shows and, and particularly the first night, which you wrote about, which we'll, we'll post a link to. But 
hometown show for you and they haven't played there in a while so tell us about your experience sort of getting there and the the experience leading up to the shows well it was um very hot in philadelphia last week so that was like of course you know everyone comes to town and tish hasn't played here in a while since 2011 in camden so of course it was 100 degrees and um we uh haven't been to the man in a really long time and everybody was super pumped for these shows, and I was really worried, actually, that we were, like, hyping it up too much, and yep. then we're all going to be, like, horribly disappointed when it was just, like, a regular <laughs> awesome fish show instead of, like, you know, the best time ever. <laughs> right. um, so uh, the venue, if you haven't been there, is awesome. It's a really small pavilion. It only holds, like, 4,700 people, and it's made of cedar, so it nice. sounds amazing, and I actually forgot how good it sounds because I haven't been there in a while, even though I am from Philadelphia. <laughs> so New Life will go to as many shows as a man as possible and sit in the pavilion because it is like it sounds incredible. Awesome. There was also a, a rain delay um, before the show because the storm was coming through, and they like made everyone leave the lawn, and a lot of people wouldn't. And a big storm came through, and there was thunder, lightning, and hail, and a giant branch fell off a tree on the lawn. Wow! And I didn't know it was that. Very scary. Yeah, I was in the pavilion, so we didn't have to leave because we were already seated when, you know, they stopped letting people in, but they were trying to get everyone to leave uh, who wasn't undercover, and people really didn't want to. Typical Fish fans just want to rage until the band comes on. Right, they don't right. want to <laughs> miss anything. Was there any, was there, like, flashbacks of, like, Chicago, Toronto, where people talking about, like, oh, no, I hope this summer isn't like last summer with regards to the sort of weather disasters? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think it was almost a year to the day of the Toronto huh. uh, cancellation, so people were talking about that, and of course, you know, it's back, there was, it rained, and it rained last year, so, I mean, it rained at every show last year, I think it rained even one night at six, which is, like, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And what was the, the pre-show sort of thing? Did you guys go and hang out before? I know hometown shows are a little different, because you don't, like, get there super early and just hang out all day, right? Well, I worked all day, which was uh, obviously not the ideal situation. So I was like a stress ball until the lights actually went down and the band came on oh, stage. Wow. But I know people were absolutely having a blast. The, the uh, parking lots opened at 9 a.m. because they were concerned about traffic congestion at the man. <laughs> That's crazy. So they wanted to give everybody a chance to dribble in as opposed to having like a crazy line because those access roads are just very narrow in the park. There's you know, it's not like a highway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, there was definitely traffic all day long. So I got there late and everybody was on the grass parking lots and I saw people playing badminton and having a good time. It was a very like festive and like holiday type atmosphere for sure. You wrote really, um, I think descriptively and really well about the first night. Can you describe just for the people listening the sort of music and, and what it was like? Um, sure. Um, so there was a rain delay. Um, and as you guys know, when the tickets are 7.30, the band usually goes on at like 8.15. Mm -hmm. So um, the band didn't actually go on until 9.22 on the first night. And um, when you know everyone was in the pavilion, everyone's very nervous and anxious and kind of like bouncing around and, you know, not not to make sweeping generalizations, but it seemed like there was a lot of people there who were on some mistimed intoxicants <laughs> right. who really wanted the band to come on. <laughs> and um, when they did, they came on with Axola, which is a rager. And I think Philly is probably one of the most, you know, metal cities on the whole tour. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, a gritty, tough place. And it was a great um, opener. And it, it was a big, like, release of tension and nervous energy that had built up in the venue during the rain delay. So I thought it was a great opener. I love it always. Um, and they went right into gumbo, which was also really good and highly energetic and then taste 
So um, yes. everybody was like raging, like right off the bat where I was. And like I said before, the sound was perfection. I mean, That's you awesome. couldn't ask for anything more um, than the sound in that pavilion is so good. So it was definitely a high energy show. No, um, no slow songs in the first set. They just cruised right through everything. Um, it was nuts in there. They didn't clear people out of the pavilion um, during the rain. A lot of people squeezed into the pavilion. Okay. Uh, they had tickets, and there was the security at the man is like high school students and like retired people. So it's <laughs> awesome. not, yeah, it's not very like rulesy there, and you could pretty much do what you wanted. So it was like a total free for all in the aisles, and it was um, it was kind of nuts very hot <laughs> that's great well yeah except i guess yeah. except for the the hot part but um sounds yeah, like an well. awesome place to see a show with the um especially with like the sound like you described it and the second set was was pretty um amazing it was a pretty short short break right yes yeah, so it was a, they took a very short break it was like a 20 minute set break um because they were really trying to trying to make the curfew i think and mm-hmm. also give us a full show you know because we got started so late um yeah, but it was again. The second set was also like we got we got the line and the number line back to back, which was a little bit of like a groaner. But um, I think the Tweezer Ghost 2001 hood uh, definitely yeah. made up for that, and you can't really complain too much when you get like um, <laughs> a punch in the face like that. And of course, <laughs> everybody was super excited about the 2001 because you know I I never thought Fish would do something stupid like not play any covers except just yeah. the Fish and these are some of, I think, the songs they like to play the best, too. So instead, you know, dropping them with, like, laser-like precision, like, the best ones at, like, really key moments yeah. is, like, really effective. And people, you know, when they drop that cross-eyed the second night, everyone went absolutely, like, batshit crazy. Like, they'd never heard it before. That is awesome. So that was, like, yeah, that was, I thought, really fun and effective. Really cool. And that second set was, like, it's interesting because there's so many, so many huge songs in there. And the, the, it opened with Fuego, right? Uh, the second set opened with 46 Days oh, and then into Fuego. Fuego. And was the Fuego, yeah. was the Fuego, um... People are super pumped on it. Like, um, Nick, uh, Miarf and I were talking about Fuego and how much we like it, because they are playing a lot, and I get mm-hmm. super pumped every time they go into it. I think it's like a new tweezer, like an anthem. I think it's a hmm. classic fish song. And nice. it's only going to get better. I thought the stack one was amazing. I, I wasn't there, but I, you know, got to watch it on the webcast and listen. And I thought that one was beautiful. And this one was different. It was a little more, like, exploratory and, like, not as, not as, it was a little more, like, gentle mm-hmm, and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And I thought Trey stepped back a little bit and let, um, you know, let the band kind of take it away, which was cool. Yeah, that's exactly, those were my thoughts exactly listening to both of them. The man one was a little more exploratory. It took them, like, longer to find where they were going. Not not in a bad way, but seemed like the SPAC one yeah. was just, like, straight, straight locked in from the first note, you know? It's kind of yeah, cool they, to they got explore yeah and i think that's something you know we talk about like long jams and like does longer mean better you know and there's lots of ways to think about it Mm -hmm. but it's almost like in 3.0 um that the band gets to the magical place faster than they used to like maybe in the 90s it would take 17 minutes to get to like that place of like absolute transcendence and i think now they just get there faster because even though you know this first man is the man the tweezer ghost it felt so short to me. Like they both felt too short and I know that they were really good, but I wish that they had been like 
you know, more developed, but mm-hmm. they are both obviously, you know, awesome. It seems like you're right. Like they get to that place faster and especially like the sort of what people call the bliss jams is like yeah. almost, you know, they can get there almost immediately. And even, I know you're at Randall's like that chalk dust from last night is, I mean, I still don't really understand it yet, but pretty amazing. The gin, the gin from the first night, oh, yeah. like what the, what the hell was that? It was like spaceships were landing <laughs> everywhere and we were like, we were like three songs in. Yeah, probably pretty unexpected, huh? Yeah, totally. Like I know I've heard people make like joking comments like, oh, you know, I'll come, I'll be there in time for the second set or whatever. Right. But um, there's some like weird stuff happening now with like new song placement. Um, the sand opener last night, like when does that ever happen? Yeah, they seem to be like being a little bit more loose with um, setless construction and just when they play songs, which hopefully means they're just more comfortable. I don't know. That was my um, interpretation of it. Um, and what what other shows are you seeing? Uh, will we see you at Meriwether? Yes, I'm definitely going to go to both nights of Meriwether, nice. and I think that's it for the summer because I got my my uh, saving my pennies for New Year's in Miami or fall tour on the West Coast. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, thanks for joining us and talking about this. Your, your, the piece that you wrote was really good, and um, I really enjoyed reading it, so you should do that more often. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, we'll, um, we'll put a link to that story as well, and I'll see you uh, at Meriwether. All right. Bye, RJ. Awesome. All right. So that was Felicia at Felicia Fied um, giving us her take on, on The Man. Um, our next conversation about the, the other show, The Man, is um, with Craig, who's at Chillwig, who's also been a guest on our program. Um, uh, he was on our he was on our probably our most well received episode. Yeah, the taper section. Yeah, our most probably our most popular episode we've ever had the the taper yeah. taper app. Um, yeah, quite so, yeah, our audience. It did. So thank you, Craig. And so let's listen to that conversation with him now. Craig, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. We want to talk to you about the man shows. You were just you were just saying um, that you've been psyched about them because you live so close and you have a an epically short um, trip to the to the venue. Um, tell us a little bit, I guess, just about um, you know the the anticipation leading up to it over the past several weeks and why you were so excited to see them come back come to the man my first fish shows should have been the man summer 94 it was it was you know pretty much the first summer after i got my my real job and and had some disposable income but um you know the flip side of that was i had no control over my schedule i was working ridiculous hours uh, at the beck and call of, of every mm. every you know superior at the office so some old way I, I i actually ended up eating eating tickets for uh for summer 94 and then oh, wow. actually ended up just uh sleeping through you know figuratively and missing uh, on sale dates and everything for for summer '95. So I thought that was it. You know, we, then they built Camden, the East Center across the river, and all of the the major rock shows, including all of the Fish Summer Shed shows that came to the area, went across the Camden. So uh, the, when they announced the uh, the man shows finally. Um, by that time, you know, several moves around the Philadelphia area, I ended up uh, just 10 minutes away. So it was really uh, the perfect venue for, for me and my family to see fish. That's awesome. And you took your, um, you took your son to a show, right? We did. We took both. Uh, we have a, a five-year-old and a nearly eight-year-old. Both have been to see fish before, but not in a couple of years. So we promised them that if they ever came, if the band ever came nearby, uh, that we would take them to one show. 
because they always complain when mommy and daddy go without them. So we took <laughs> them to the first night of the man, uh, which turned out to be, you know, half adventure and half show. Well, obviously you go with your kids, so you didn't you didn't have a lot of time in the lot or, or the pre-show scene, but what was the energy like? Was it, could you, did it feel different given that they hadn't been there for 20 years and it was, you know, almost 20 years to the week and all that? Uh, it Well, first of all, I, I heard that there was no vending permitted, so I didn't see any vending. Uh, but it, it didn't seem to dampen the enthusiasm of most of the people. It seemed that hmm. people could have, you know, open containers uh, and without any problem. And uh, I didn't see too many people getting hassled. So, uh, nice. you know, in, in that regard, it was festive. It was hot. It was hot and humid out. So, you know, it was that kind of day. And, and that kind of keeps the uh, the energy level down a little bit. <laughs> um but I, I think people were were generally pretty excited. Um, getting in and out of the venue from the lot was very very easy. Uh, I thought the security, the, the venue is being run by AEG now. Okay. Uh, and shuts out of, out of I guess they're out of Denver, and uh, you know ever since they took over the venue, the, they've started to get some real national acts. They've been competing with Live nice. Nation across the river in Camden. Uh, right. So so fish is a big get and and they do I didn't have any hassles uh, getting in or out uh, of the venue uh, either night and um, I think a lot of people didn't have any hassles on on Tuesday night when they had to go in and out twice because they evacuated the lawn. Right, right. <laughs> what was was it completely packed? It didn't feel that packed. Um, nice. And the man doesn't have that big of a lawn, yeah. uh, so. You know, there was a typical crowd crush in, in the aisles in the pavilion, mm-hmm. um, but it really didn't seem that packed at all. Uh, certainly, up at the top of the lawn by the concessions and where the family circle was, there was plenty of room. Did you? So you sat up with your family in the lawn, obviously. Well, we start. We started off in the in the in the pavilion because we did oh, have seats, cool. and we did hear that they were going to. We fish had had sent out a tweet, uh, and and. I guess uh, sent out a text too that that uh, at some point there was a storm coming at the, and they would evacuate the lawn uh, and they were not going to start the show until that storm came through. So we knew that we anticipated that. So we sat it out in the shed while the storm came through, uh, you know, and and the show didn't start till close to two hours after ticket time. So the kids hmm. were having their 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 little. Uh, Patience levels tried. So that, <laughs> they were they were really really good about it. They ended That's up cool. They ended up lasting till about midnight. Oh wow! Wow. So they could they could have easily have done the whole show uh, and and had had some energy to spare. Nice, awesome. nice. That's really cool. That so that's their first show. Uh, no, actually, their first show was Meriwether two thousand nine. So oh, shit. all right, not nice. a rep- not Five a representative experience for them. <laughs> yeah. so so right. musically craig what was the what were the two shows like what was your sort of feeling after seeing them and and heading out of the venue uh i felt satisfied i i had to bail a little early the first night just because of the the whole timing of the night was thrown off um the the uh i loved the fuego i loved the jammed out version um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the kids, that was their big payoff, Fuego and the line. So, nice. 
to be, you know, spinning around on the lawn with uh, my five-year-old <laughs> playing air guitar and making rage faces. You know, that's 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 a, a priceless forever thing. Yeah. Uh, so it it was great. You know, candidly, Friday I was a little bit distracted with the kids, but uh, the the first set was was very kind of up and down. Uh, they they'd play a wedge and then they'd play a sparkle and then they they'd pick it back up again with a Haley's and then they. Uh, and then the second set, they really brought it. I think they they um, they really wanted to put on a full a full concert, even though uh, yep. you know it was really going late into the night. And we actually bailed um, during number line because we looked at our, our watches; it was already midnight. And I wow, figured, how yeah. many songs? How yeah. many songs could they play after number line? Maybe a couple more. And they ended up uh. playing, you know, Tweezer Ghosts, <laughs> uh, two thousand one, two thousand one. Uh. Uh, you know, and. On and on and on. So uh, yeah, I was, you couldn't uh, see that coming. I mean, it was a really uh, unique second set. Yeah, and and we had already asked uh, every every little bit of uh, you know the good ones, behavior yeah. of the little ones that we could. So yeah, sure. we, we yeah. felt fortunate to make it to midnight. And we called it a night. So second nice. set was date night, and that was much better for us. All right, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that that show is pretty i mean we were just talking about right now as we're recording the chalk dust apparently from randall's island is was amazing and epic you listened to it craig but the chalk dust from the second night of the man is pretty pretty sweet way to open the second set it really was it, it was you know it was i want to say only 17 minutes long but um <laughs> you know sometimes it seems like the chalk dust could go one way or another way yeah uh, this this you had both ways you had you know some of the just dark, um, you know, dissonant, uh, sh- you know, sh- sharp keys and stuff like that, and you also got the blissful melodic major key segments as well. Um, and I think Page was definitely the star of that chalk dust. I mean, he was working everything. He played his entire rig, uh, mm-hmm. everything at least once during. During the jam, as it as it nice. moved in and out, uh, it was it was really great. And I'm you know I'm not uh, usually um, a big chalk dust person, but right uh, when I I had to hand it to him. Yeah, I'd say the past just like even twelve months has turned me into chalk dust a whole different way. You know. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, you mentioned Paige too. I think the past since July first. He's really stepped it up, you know. I think last summer was like Fishman's summer, where he ca- he came out and made us uh, recognize how great he is. I mean, if you didn't already, um, and and this summer so far, Paige has really stepped it up. I thought. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just finding myself listening to him differently, but uh, yeah. I, I hear him Nobody. sometimes sometimes playing the songs differently. Like, um, you know, mm-hmm. play, playing against Trey. Maybe picking picking a different chord to play against him in, in the intro of a song or something like that, and just and and just mixing it up just a little bit, keeping it interesting. Um, yeah, I've really right, been yeah, enjoying totally. listening to him this tour. Right, thirty years. You figure they got to change, keep themselves interested too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of the commentary, at least on Twitter, coming out of that second night was that Paige was like really pretty, mm-hmm. pretty prominently um, recognized. I guess maybe both shows, but especially the second night. And did you you felt that way, sort of coming out of it too, Craig? I think certainly the second night and and the 
you know, what followed the chop dust with the wingsuit into uh, Winter Queen, I mean, that really, those are our texture songs. So, I mean, that really favors what Paige is able to do, especially right. playing playing two different, you know, keyboards at once. Um, you know, he can, he can lay an organ and, you know, do fills with, with, with either a piano or something like that. And, um, what a great theme night segue. Yeah. It, it was, well, we were, we, we <laughs> yeah. were entranced. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. I was, it kind of felt, it kind of felt later in the set when it was because it kind of felt like, okay, this is the cool down slot. You get that Pavlovian response and you expect, mm. you know, maybe one or two rockers to close it out. But then we realized that, you know, that was, that was only about you know, half hour into the second set. Yeah. We had a lot more music to go. What do you think about the? I, I, we were just talking earlier, Craig, about the the mid the mid mid second set wingsuits. It seems like such a great um, thing that's developing. Did you do you feel like it's something that's going to stick around, or is it just an experiment they're doing? Or I, I think they're I think they're kicking the tires on wingsuit. I think they you know they're so good. They're playing it in um, uh, a variety of situations. Um, I'm, we're still sort of. Wondering when the big, you know, peaks upon peaks, you know, drop the mic, walk off wingsuit, you know, to end the second set is going to be. It's going to be somewhere. It's going to be great. And I think everybody's kind of anticipating that it can it can do um, the same kind of duty that Slave does in, in, in closing, you know, a really yeah. solid show. Um, but you know, it's, it, it, it kind of has that cool down element too. It, they've shown that they can, but super they can emotive stretch it too. out. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. From going from Halloween to the Fuego album release, like the, it seemed to me like winter queen was the most, um, improved or the most yeah. developed from the time we heard it live to then the album. So maybe they, I don't know if that's six man them. Yeah. Ezrin or if it was like. You know what? But it seemed like the song kind of changed a little bit from from Halloween to to the album, you know, and now to now, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. It'd be interesting to know, like, sort of what what happened with that. I don't know if you felt that way, Craig. That's the way I, I've sort of listened to it. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it, but but now that you mention it, I I think it's probably accurate to say that you know it's it's a Tom and Trey song, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may have been presented closer as, you know, the, the trampled by lambs version of Winter Queen, and then <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. once it once it gets into the studio, once once Ezrin starts working with the band and recording it, um, the band's parts become more developed. Cool. Well, Craig, thanks for for joining us and chatting about these these shows. I know that it. Um, I remember like since the dates were announced that you've been. You were pretty psyched about it, so glad that you got to make it a whole family affair, and you enjoyed it. And it seems like it was a memorable experience, despite the delay the first night. Uh, I think it was a memorable experience in part because of the delay the first night. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, thanks a lot for joining us, man. That was fun to fun to chat. Sure thing, anytime. Okay, awesome. That was Craig from Matt Chilwig. Um, wonderful perspective. We appreciate him coming on again. And next, we're going to Stu Kelly, uh, a really great guy. Lives in DC um, near RJ, yeah. and he's uh, tweets from at SB Kelly Nine, and he's going to give us his take on. Uh, he's seen a lot of shows, but specifically, mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about Randall's too. Nice. 
Um, so we're here with Stu Kelly, who was uh, last summer the first first guest to help us with the show review, and we're here a year later, and he's back, and we're back. So, Stu, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I'm glad to see uh, how, how much the podcast has grown over the course of the year, and, and it's uh, an honor to be back, so thanks, man. Cool, yeah, you called it last last summer. I did, uh, I did. <laughs> you were right. Um, and thank you for all your help, and um, I'm glad we've gotten to know each other over the past past you know year. Um, so let's talk about Randall's. I mean, you saw you saw Mansfield basically through Randall's um, all those shows, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I, I saw the first nine shows of tour, and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, they are just uh, at the top of their game. You know, everyone knows it. They're firing from all cylinders. They're happy, healthy, inspired, and all these great things that we love to see. Um, and it was all sort of accumulation of, of pressure, if you will, in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of just erupted at Randall's like it was supposed to. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was great, man. It was incredible. Great three nights of music. But uh, I guess you and I are, are here to talk about the second night specifically. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, which was awesome. Uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, the, the thing about the band, it's not just how well they execute the jams. It's not just like, you know, the song placements and, and, and all that good stuff, but, um, they really are just, I mean, for lack of a better word, they're just so fishy, you know, like they're having fun. They're, they're doing things in a weird way. They're, they've got teasers tucked away. They've got, you know, they're switching up the song placements and, and all that stuff. Like I mentioned earlier. So there's a lot going on, um, on top of just the initial, wave that hits you of how good the music really is Mm -hmm. and when you peel back those layers you really just do see that the band is having so much fun right now and it's you know a great time for for us because we get to benefit from it um totally but uh yeah yeah, the the second night of randall's definitely felt like uh, a great family atmosphere um a lot of people it was the most busy night of the weekend um Mm -hmm. being saturday and all much much more Uh, crowded much more crowded Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um it seems like, you know, all the looks just come out of the woodwork in New York, <laughs> wherever they come from. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was a great time. Um, the, the first set was full of highlights. I mean, definitely they had, they had a bunch of songs. The first ACDC bag of the tour, which is weird to say eight yeah. shows in, yeah. <laughs> um, 46 days continues to be one of my favorite songs to hear. Um, always has been, but especially, now it just seems like they, they don't waste a second in that song. They just mm-hmm. hit it hard, full throttle, a lot of power and energy. Um, you know, and Yarmouth Road made the team. It, it made the cut. So uh, not just <laughs> right. on Mike tour. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those, those three songs right there are a hell of a way to start a show, um, especially when they're, they're jamming them out and playing them a little differently. Uh, of course, you're going to see a lot of Fuego stuff being incorporated in there. And it's, you know, some songs are still finding their spot. Um, some songs are getting re-explored and, and sometimes it feels a little rocky with, uh, you know, maybe devotion to a dream mm-hmm. or halfway to the moon or, or, you know, wh- whichever song it may be. Um, but then you have songs like Fuego and, and Wingsuit and I-55, which have endless potential. So Fuego is a great album. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but you know, devotion to a dream and halfway to the moon, those are first set songs. So to see them in the first set on Saturday night was really no surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, that, and then, that back on the train had like some funny where they like, they kept, <laughs> kept stopping and, and going back into it. Yeah. Right? See, yeah. And that's uh, definitely going back into what I said earlier when I was saying like, they're just being so fishy, they're having yeah. fun because the ending, it was 
yeah, sure, if a lot of people can turn their nose up and say, oh, it was a flub, the band took it in stride and they made fun of themselves. And, and they, mm-hmm. they finished mm-hmm. the song three times. And it's just so funny. And then afterwards, Trey said, you know, it's just like that time when we messed up the beginning of You Enjoy Myself. <laughs> like, that was on purpose, too. You know, it's like, it takes us back to Hampton back in 2009. And, you know, they're still the same guys. They, they, they mess up the transition. So what? You know, they yeah. can laugh at it. We can laugh at it. It's great. It's, you know, it really is funny, you know, and, and definitely love that, that rare aspects and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the way the first set closed was really strong with a song I heard the ocean sing, a mid-set version of that yeah. song is always welcome. doesn't matter if it's in the first set or in the second set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the line is one that's growing more rapidly off the, off the new album. Uh, definitely has a lot more room to go, but it's come around the corner faster than, say, you know, Winter Queen or Devotion to a Dream or, or whatever. So in my opinion, at least, I think mm-hmm. that one's growing mm-hmm. nicely. And then Antelope, you know, was thrown out to the dude, Mr. Steve Pollock, yeah. <laughs> in in attendance with his kids. So his kids saw their first fish show, and Trey, you know, gave a nice shout out to uh, to Steve, explaining yeah, to cool. his kids that they wrote this song, you know, however many years ago. So that was cool. Um, definitely loved that. And then the second set is where everything got turned upside down. You know, it, <laughs> right. it's absolutely fantastic. And that's the, um, that's that's it's great when that happens, right? It is. It's it's one of the best things. It's honestly it's it's when the band and the audience have just almost surrendered themselves to the unknown. And you know when you t- when you move forward together in total acceptance of exploring the um, unexplored territory, if you will. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know it, ma- that's when magic happens. That's when that's when stuff like this unfolds naturally, and it's never forced. And you know we had a. Uh, it was a six song second set. It's, it's incredible. You yeah. know, yeah. that, that was absolutely amazing. And, uh, first punch you in the eye of the tour. Now people are going to say that they can't play this song anymore or they flub it or whatever, you know, like it, for me, this is, it's always been a hell of a song to open, open the set with. And it just doesn't matter if they don't play it as well as they used to, or it's not 96, 95 anymore. You know, like they're right. not always right. going to hit, the landlady on the dime or you know what I mean? But it's, it's a great song. It's a hell of a song. It's the first one the tour. I loved it. I don't care if uh, they forget all of the words or they forget any transition. Um, because you know, to make up for it, they drop into Karini and ghost and those two one, two punches back to back are always welcomed. Yeah. Um, you know, both of them were treated to a nice long extended piece of improv. Uh, definitely got the, the Royal treatment there. Um, I remember I was uh, sitting with, with Ari Fink, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I looked over at him as soon as they went into Ghost, and he, we just had this look like, you know, we're, we're shocked, and all I could muster up was, they're not fucking around tonight, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he laughed. Um, and that, those are two great songs. And then uh, to, to go into Wingsuit, which I've, I've said this time and time again, I know it sounds like such a broken record, but that is the perfect placement for that song as a landing gear as a cool down ballad spot, um, after the one, two jam vehicles to, to drop it into wingsuit or, yeah. or Karina, or if I could, or life boy, or, you know what I mean? Like those songs have a very important part of, uh, tying the set together. And I think it's easy for people to overlook them because they feel deflated. The energy isn't consistent or whatever, but, uh, it really did tie, 
you know, if you look at the way the set ended, um, ended mm-hmm. with Harry Hood, Rock and Roll before that, and then Wingsuit kind of sandwiched Karinian Ghost in, in between that and the end. So for me, that's a perfect placement. And I think Wingsuit is, is one of my favorite songs. It, it was one of the songs that I walked away from Halloween just absolutely in love with. Mm-hmm. I've always Same loved here, it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just a phenomenal version of Rainbows to get that one. And then, you know, it being New York City, Rock and Roll, of course, Surface, and then, uh, mm-hmm. Carrie Hood at the end, um, which was, you know, just a, a hell of a way to, to end the set. Of course, they jammed that out. And then a three-song encore, you know. Yeah. Uh, granted, sure, Joy was in there. You're going to have your people that feel like they need to voice their concerns about how terrible Joy is, but, yes, you know, man just wants you to yeah. be happy. No, I'm not either. Yeah. I'm not either. I, I really like that song, you know, and it's, yeah, it was it was crazy, and I just think that the whole show was full of energy. The band was on point; they were having fun. It was the biggest crowd of the weekend. Everyone there seemed to be enjoying it. Um, it was just a, a really, really special weekend. And Randall's was definitely one for the books. I don't think anyone's going to forget anytime soon. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, <laughs> one thing I want to ask you before we let you go: you're you're a collect record collector, and uh, I'm sure you were particularly interested in the freezer and what they had set up there. How was that? How did that all work? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, decided to hit the freezer on, on Saturday actually, because uh, I saw my window that the line was kind of manageable. So I wanted to see what was left and, um, you know, definitely want to check it out because I missed it in Atlantic city in 2012. So we waited in line. It only took us about 15, 20 minutes to get inside. Um, and it was cool. You know, they had like all these old tour shirts Mm -hmm. from, you know, way back when they had some from 3.0, which you can't find anywhere, you know, which if, if you're a new fan or, or like me, I'm a first shows in 2009. So, mm-hmm. you know, I love all that old stuff you can't find anymore. Um, they had all the DVDs, official live CD releases, everything like that. And then, of course, I uh, am a big vinyl fanatic, you know, mm-hmm. like you said. And so I, I picked up a copy of a picture of Nectar for myself. I was lucky nice. enough to have money left over from tour to grab a couple more for some friends and uh, definitely happy to help help some people out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was great, man. And, you know, I just love seeing all of that stuff. The crazy thing about the freezer, though, and I will say this, is I was talking to one of the guys working there, mm-hmm. and he said there was a guy who dropped $3,000 on merchandise wow. in the freezer. He bought two Pollock posters at $700 each and then a bunch of T-shirts, a bunch of vinyls, a bunch of DVDs, a bunch of stuff. And the guy said to the employee who I had befriended, the guy who dropped all this money, said, um, $700, that's such a good deal. Can I buy four of them? <laughs> and there are, li- there are a limit to two per person. No so, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Really, never sees it to amaze me. But, um you know, you've got those people out there. You got to admire their their passion for collecting. But that is a a very expensive poster for seven hundred dollars. But you know, Amazing. someone out there had had three grand disposable income to uh, to drop on the freezer. Good for, good for him, man. Keep yeah, him. you know, good for him. He he got what he wanted. He had the opportunity to get what he wanted from the band. So thank you, Fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, yeah, you definitely. Definitely can't uh, can't hate on him for for having exquisite taste. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Thanks for for describing that all for us and for uh, 
letting us uh you know in on in on your rentals experience that was fun yeah absolutely and uh, i guess i will see you down the road see you at merriweather and uh possibly in denver right i think you'll yeah. be at both of those yep exactly all right so that was Stu, and um our last conversation here is going to be with george who um that's solar garlic knot and he's going to talk to us about the randalls let's get to that and then we'll get into some music cool so we're here with george um to talk about um night one of randalls and and george i know this was um well first of all thanks for joining us and um we appreciate me. it and i know this was your first show in in quite a while huh first show in about 11 years uh, since uh july 31st 2003 crazy it's yeah, a long time so did you go did you just kind of drop out and you were kind of taking a break or did it just kind of fall off your radar or what? Uh, a little bit of both, you know, uh, a lot of time with family, you know, family takes up a, a lot of time and, um, yep. before you, before you know it, it's been 11 years, <laughs> Right. but all hiatuses must end as we all know. So, um, That's you know, true. when they announced Randall's, I mean, Randall's is literally in my backyard. I live in a story of Queens and there was no reason not to go. That's awesome. Um, and so what was the, I mean, you, you, like you said, you live in Queens, so it was a short trip for you, but what was it like, um, sort of the scene there and getting there? What, did you cross the bridge with tons of people? Is it like a festival kind of feel? Uh, definitely a festival kind of feel, you know, it was, it was, uh, a longer walk than I expected, you know, walking over the Triborough bridge, but it was great, you know, knowing that, you know, I was that close. I got there just, I was just excited in general because I'd been so long since I'd seen the show. So, I mean, I went in with a lot of energy. Everybody there was really psyched for the show, awesome. and it was, uh, no, it was great. What were your expectations musically? I mean, have you been listening to the past um, couple years' worth of music? Yeah, I mean, uh, not so much 3.0, but I mean, when I knew that I was going to these shows, I figured I had to catch up, and I, I had been listening nothing but 3.0 shows up until the, uh, the day of the show. So, I mean, yes. I, was, I was excited musically. I mean, I, was, I wasn't expecting anything. I was just going in there happy to, uh, to be at the show. You know, whatever they played, I would have been pretty pleased. Awesome. And and how was it musically night one? What would you how would you describe it given that you haven't, you know, seen them in so long? Oh, it was fantastic. Um uh, you know, Moment Dance opener was great, you know, let us know basically, you know, we're here all weekend, you know. They they took their time getting into it, laying down a nice uh nice groove. Uh first set bathtub gin was nothing short of amazing. Jam went all over the place. You know, and then like you know, in the last ten minutes they kicked it into overdrive. Yeah, and, super high high energy the whole time, huh? Yeah, pretty much. And then um, you know, I was most psyched to hear new songs, and so I was uh, excited. Waiting all night is uh, definitely one of my new favorites. I was hoping I would catch it at one of the two shows that I saw, and so I was I was pretty glad I was at the first one. Nice. I think uh, it definitely showcases. I mean, the entire uh, weekend page was. On pages on organ is just fantastic, and and yeah. waiting all night is a really good uh, vehicle for that. The Beth of Gin was just it was phenomenal, and it was people are I think one of the well since the third night happened, you know all bets are off. But I guess that was one of the main musical highlights of the weekend was that that bathtub gin. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you know it was it had already peaked ten minutes in, and then you know you're thinking it can't get any better, and then like I said, they kicked in overdrive. And and took it home. It was fantastic. Definitely a highlight of the weekend. That's great. And um, so the second set, well, you have definitely hadn't seen Steam before. Um, definitely what, not. what do you think of that as an opener? Oh, I love Steam as the opener. Um, I love the jam in it. It was dark. I, I find just a lot of the jams lately, the limb by limb from Spock and the Steam, they're hitting these like otherworldly jams mm-hmm. where it's almost, you know, they're all locked in. They're creating these real dense jams, you know, layer upon layer. 
And so I was definitely pleased with the steam opener. Um, Down by Disease was fantastic. I know that like the bathtub gin, it went like so many different places. Yeah, you you mentioned limb by limb, and then a, a sh- sort of shortish fuego compared to the the others. Um, yeah. So new new song wise, you heard five fifty five waiting all night fuego steam. Um, what was sort of your your takeaway musically just from the whole thing? Um, I love all the new songs. I feel like it, you know the the band is firing on all cylinders right now. You know they're they're loving the new material. I think what's fun about these shows is seeing where the new songs fit in the format of a show. Mm-hmm. Like you know what will be the best placement form. I mean, some are pretty obvious. Uh, five 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 waiting all night. I think are definitely great first set songs. I like the fact that they've bounced Fuego around from show to show. I thought that you know Fuego first night second song opener was great. Uh, the Fuego that I saw was fantastic. A nice uh, energy song getting mm-hmm. into uh, the David Bowie to close it out. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, all the, all the new songs are great. That's good, man. Good for you for being able to see a bunch of those um, those those new songs. And are you? Do you have any plans to catch any more shows this tour? Uh, this tour, no. But you know, we'll see what happens. You know, fall. Yeah. Do you feel like you're? They've sucked you back in? Oh, I'm 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 ecstatic to be back in. That's awesome, man. It's really good to hear. And uh, thank you for uh, for listening to the podcast and for joining us. This has been uh, been fun to catch up. Um, what's your? Do you have any final thoughts on sort of what it's what it what it was like to be sort of you know detached from the scene for more than ten years and then come back to a show like that? Um, I mean, you know, like like I said, you know. The reason I was gone because, you know, life goes on, family, you know, taking care of responsibilities. I always listen to the band, and, you know, the, these shows coming back, fantastic. You know, it makes me, I know, I don't regret missing all the other shows, but I'm definitely glad to be back on and looking forward to seeing shows in the future. Thanks, thanks, George. Thanks for joining us, and um, hope to see you at a show sometime. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. All right, so that was uh, that wraps up our interviews, and... Um, Hope you all enjoyed that, and give us some feedback so we know, you know, for the rest of the tour. I think, Brad, we're going to probably do something similar for the rest of the tour, so I want to see if people thought that was cool. So we wanted to play one set for you all, and um, we we thought, Brad, that the the second set of the first night of The Man, um, July 8th, would be a good um, good set, especially for people out there who maybe haven't, like us, been listening to every single show the day after, um, mm-hmm. just to get a feel for sort of how this tour has been going. Um I guess we don't do like a full review before we jump in, but what what were you, what was your um your thoughts about that set? Um well, I think number one there's a lot of anticipation before the man, right? They hadn't been there for 20 years. 20 years, that right? yeah. That's right. Yep. So uh and there was three nights of spec beforehand, which is kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, like it's a pretty good run uh beforehand, so sometimes a show following a three night run may not be the best. Um but I thought it was really good and there was a little bit of a rain delay. Um, yep. Tickets were, from what I know, hard to come by, uh, and at least pavilion tickets were right. And um, totally, yeah. And it, like I said, it was just really anticipated. So I thought the second set was really cool. Number one, it opens with a, a unique tune. You don't see it open second sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a really good song from the new album. Yep. And then 
you know, something that is can kind of go either way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little run of songs there, which I think is like a dream. Like from the 90s until today, this is like what you want to see your second set contain. Yeah, definitely. The second right? half of the second set on paper is yeah. like unbelievable. I agree with you right. and about this whole this set. It's really interesting. It's really good. There's a lot of really amazing points um, and some really like interesting choices of song placement and the encore is like you know kind of funny yeah. um yeah. and the the new songs i think as as is sort of the theme so far this year the new songs are kind of shining um you know in these second sets right and we can't forget that um there hadn't been a um cover right mm-hmm. other than mm-hmm. other than the star spangled banner i mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. since new orleans and mm-hmm. it it pops up in the second set here. Let's get into the music and um, and we'll see you guys back here after the set.
my fuego, I do my own stunts. I see guilty people, angels blowing horns.
This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
All right, so that was the second set from July 8th uh, from The Man in Philly. I hope you really enjoyed it. Really glad that everyone could join us this episode and, and give us their take on what they saw and where they've been. It's really exciting and hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Uh, it's kind of from the road that, that we threw together and hopefully we can do it again, right, RJ? Yeah, man, really fun. I think it's... um. I don't know. I think it's a good, good. It's good for me just to hear hear all these different perspectives, and it's fun for us to do these conversations. So hopefully, everyone else, everyone else agrees. Yeah, hopefully the um, like the the accent, like you can trace the accent from our our shows to like where the where the band is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> from like up and like up in Massachusetts to down, you know, down the coast, down yeah. the south. And by so. the time we get to the Alabama shows, we'll be yeah. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Good, that's a really good point. We need to make sure that these people <laughs> present their driver's licenses so we know what state they're from. No more fucking around. Um, well, Brad, what thank you. call you. a group of people? What? That's what you say. Like, y'all oh. or <laughs> you all. I didn't know where that was going to go, but that's a really good point. Um, well, Brad, thank you for being such a such a thoughtful and, and class, classy co-host. Um, that's yes. all, it's always just a treat. I appreciate your time and your energy. And we don't, no one else sees us, but we get to see each other. And that's, I know, you know, just probably the, the best part, right? Yeah, it is. For me, yeah. it is. I get to see, I saw your daughters, I saw you, you were in your Ohio State shirt, like a good fan. Yep, yep. Um, well, everyone knows where to find us. We're on uh, the web, web, web nets at hfpod.blogspot.com, and we're on Twitter at hfpod. If you want to follow us individually, Brad is at Brad underscore hf pod and i'm at uh rj underscore hfp um and you can send us emails at helping friendly podcast at gmail.com but um yeah thanks for listening all right everyone thanks for listening keep on rocking Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.